0: I'm glad that when the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. He offers real freedom. Not as the world gives, but as only He can give. Just like His peace. His peace is offered not as the world gives. I want to read this evening verses 5 through 17. This morning we thought about the freedom that God offered in that we're no longer, we have freedom from judgment, no condemnation. Tonight I want us to notice our freedom from defeat and that is no obligation. Let's read together, beginning in verse 5. The Bible said there, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, and the body is dead because of sin, But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you've not received the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness within our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs; heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may that we may be also glorified together. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray God that you'd help us, Father, to preach the Word tonight. Lord, I pray God that you'd strengthen our voice. I pray that you'd help us spiritually and physically. I pray that you'd touch the people of God as they've gathered around here, Lord, tonight. They've come to hear something from you. And I pray, God, that you'd speak through us tonight. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for everything that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want us to look tonight at this next portion of freedom. And like I said this morning, my emphasis over the next... Uh, A couple of services after this one. It's going to be our liberty in Christ. And my hope is that some of you will realize that you're not bound down. If you're saved, you're not bound down. But you've been set free. We saw this morning how we're free from judgment. I'm glad uh, that there's no condemnation. That's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I'm glad that I am no longer condemned for my sin. I'll never face God for my sins. Boy, that settles in on you and that really, that ought to make you smile a little bit anyhow. Never face God for my sins. Boy, that's a blessing. Now tonight, I'm gonna deal tonight with defeat and how that the Christian should live from a position of victory. You and I have won. But we know that oftentimes we get defeated, discouraged. I uh, pulled in the driveway at Beverly's this evening, and, or this afternoon, and I leaned over to get a little sugar from Rachel. I'll tell you what kind of pastor's wife you've got. In case y'all want to straighten her up. I said, I said, I've tried not to be discouraged. She said, you better hush that. You're going to preach on it tonight. You can't be, say you're discouraged, then go up there and preach about it. Better get straightened up. She's a blessing. You know, I just wanted a little petting. Sweetheart, I understand. Lord, have mercy. I'll be here for a shoulder to cry on, but what I normally get is straighten up party. <laughs> what you should look and sit down about. Smile a little bit. <laughs> That's what I needed. Sometimes we all live below our birthright. We live in an uh, attitude of defeat when we've already won. There's absolutely absolutely no reason why the children of God would ever live in a defeatist attitude. And so I want to think about how that we can have freedom from defeat. Now, I want you to zero in tonight on verse 12. Are you with me? Look what the Bible said there in verse 12. Here Paul says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So here what Paul says <clears throat> is that within us, <clears throat> that is the flesh, sometimes I'm afraid when we talk about the flesh, you think about this outward appearance that everybody sees. This uh, my fingers, for instance, are not inherently evil. They're not they're Basically, an inanimate object. They're at the wheel of what I do with them. So, when the Bible talks about the flesh, He's not talking; it's not talking about the fingers, not talking about this flesh, this skin, but rather that old nature that lives on the inside of every one of us. And here is what Paul said: He said, "You don't owe that old man nothing." You're not a debtor to that old man. You're not a debtor to that flesh. You owe him nothing. But let's be honest. Our old man is awful needy. He asks for a lot. He's all the time asking for something. That old man, that old nature, is all the time asking for something. But Paul says, you don't owe him nothing. When he begs for it, say, I don't owe you nothing, pal. You didn't do anything but get me in trouble. I, I don't owe you anything. And uh, kind of like Lester Oloff used to say, he'd say once a week, he'd take a cold shower just to prove to his flesh who was in charge. Amen. <laughs> yeah, didn't know it, nothing. Didn't know it, nothing. And so that's the crux of what I want to preach on tonight. If we're going to live from a position of victory it'll require us to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So the beginning of that as Paul said you've got to have this attitude flesh I owe you nothing. I'm not a debtor to you. Don't you be begging. I'll, I'll feed you and then that's about it. I'll have some physical food, put some water in my body. We'll stay alive. But as far as your desires, as far as your wants, I owe you nothing. Instead, my desire is to follow after the Spirit. Now, Paul points out three kinds of people uh, when it comes to the Spirit here in these verses. Number one, there are those that have not the Spirit. Now he talks about that in verses 5 through 8. Look what he says. For they that are after the flesh, do you mind the things of the flesh? But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now he's not contrasting different kinds of Christians here. He's not saying there's certain Christians that are spiritual and certain Christians that are carnal. But rather what he's contrasting here is the saved and the lost, the saved and the lost. And here's what he says the difference is between them. First of all, he says the lost loved the flesh, the saved loved the spirit. There in verse number 5. You see a lost man, an unsaved person, he doesn't have the spirit of God in his life. He runs on the Uh, according to the satisfaction of the flesh. Everything that he does is motivated by bringing him pleasure. He's very Uh, self-centered. He doesn't listen to the Spirit of God because he does not know the Spirit of God. The lost have the mind that is centered on the things of the flesh. And they become all about themselves. But Paul says the saved man he considers the spirit of god look here for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit that's a saved man the things of the spirit so a saved man paul says and by the way it's the greatest evidence of salvation we'll talk about that in a minute is having the spirit of god in your life the saved man has the spirit of god on the inside and he lives according to the leading of the spirit And often he thinks of others first. He becomes not self-centered. That's how you know that you're being led by the Spirit of God. It's because it's not about you anymore. And so Paul makes this contrast. He says there are those that are in the flesh and then those that are in the Spirit. Then in verse 6, he says those that are in the flesh are dead. But those that are in the Spirit are alive. Look what he said. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here in this verse, he says a lost man that doesn't have the Spirit of God, while he may be physically alive, is spiritually dead. But a man that's saved by the grace of God and is spiritually minded, look, is life and peace. That ought to describe the life of every child of God. When the Holy Spirit moves in on the inside, He quickens us to be alive, and He brings peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. That's a pretty good indication you're saved. Amen. Then He likens in verses, verse seven, the fleshly man is at war with God, and the spiritual man's at peace with God. The carnal mind is enmity. That means an enemy of God. For it's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Now if you study Romans 7, what you'll see there is that the old nature rebels against God. And they'll not submit to the law of God. And is that constant conflict with God. See, one of the greatest things about being saved is once the Spirit of God enters our life, that puts me and God on the same team. And I'm no longer at enmity with God, but I'm now in cooperation with God. And so Paul points out, there are those that have not the Spirit, they're lost. And I'm gonna tell you what I believe. I believe there's a lot of people come to our church that never have received the Spirit of God. I believe that. I believe not just our church, but every church. But I don't pastor every church. I just pastor our church. Many years ago, uh, great preacher, he was the leader of the Southern Baptist Convention at that time, Adrian Rogers. And Brother Adrian Rogers said he believed at that time, this would have been in the 1980s, he said he believed at that time that probably 80% of people that were at church on Sunday morning didn't really know Christ, 80% in the 1980s. I believe he's probably close to accurate uh, worldwide. I, I would hope we do a little better than that here. But still, yet, I, I'm not so naive, Brother Marvin, to believe that everybody that's here tonight is saved. And I'm going to tell you if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're none of his. None of his. Well, the greatest way to know if you're born again is to look at your life. What is it you follow after? Do you follow and mind the things of the flesh? Or do you follow and mind the things of the Spirit? Now, all I know to do is tell you in these last three verses is that Paul said that a saved man minds the things of the Spirit and a lost man minds the things of the flesh. Now, that's not to say that a Saved man don't ever sin. But there ought to be a natural bent toward spiritual things in your life if you're truly saved. So there's those that have not the Spirit. Then, he points out in verses 9 through 11, there are those that have the Spirit. Look what he said. Verse number 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, and so there are those that have the Spirit. It's what it is—the evidence of conversion is the presence of the Holy Ghost Spirit of God in your life. The Spirit of God is the witness to you that you are the child of God. The Spirit of God is a witness among believers and brethren. It is what gives discernment and, and. Spiritual situations. And I believe at some point in your life, the Spirit of God, if it dwells inside of you, ought to stir up. Ought to stir up. And show out on you. And I know you probably heard me tell the illustration about the ostrich down at the ostrich farm. Me and Rachel, we hadn't... I hadn't been pastoring here too long. They had those ostriches down here. And one evening, we leaving out of Pensacola, and they had a trailer parked there next to the road, a little enclosed trailer. And they were trying to corral an ostrich in the back of that enclosed trailer. And they had traffic stop, had a rope around that ostrich's neck. And I decided that evening that an ostrich, pound for pound, is probably the meanest animal on the planet. I believe I'd rather fight a bear. That thing flop around and they trying to corral it up in the back of that enclosed trailer. Finally they got it corralled up in there and got it up in there and the fellow with the rope ran out the door and they shut the door up on that trailer. And in just a second a big old ostrich foot come through the back door of that trailer. And then he pulled that, uh, that leg and then it came through the side of that trailer. That thing was destroying that enclosed trailer, kicking it. And I said, they've got too much ostrich, not enough trailer. That ostrich was coming out all over that trailer. Well, I believe if the Spirit of God gets in your heart and you laugh, at some point, he ought to kick a wall out. Amen. There ought to be some point in your life that somebody would say there was too much Holy Ghost and not enough Billy. Amen. And the Holy Ghost kicked the gable walls out of his soul. Amen. And I've seen the Holy Ghost come out all over it. Amen. So there are those that have the Spirit of God. But what I want to preach on tonight is verses 12 through 17. There are those that have the Spirit of God, but then there are those that the Spirit has them. Now, it's great to have the Spirit of God, but how much of you does he have? That's the question. That's the question. What he said there in verse 12. He says there, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear... But you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father. Now let me make an application for you real, real quick here and I'll be done about how we have a freedom from a freedom from discouragement. A freedom from defeat. And it has to do with what the spirit of God does in our lives. Number one he is the spirit of life. You know when the Holy Spirit moves in us He empowers us to obey Christ. And then He enables us to be more like Him. (laughs) And that's life. That's life. It's like a spark. You know we put that uh, sign up above the back door welcome Holy Ghost. I don't know how many of you have Ever heard uh, Brother Rudy Smith preaches a message on a generator? He said his generator went out and that he took it to the shop. And they called him and said, I'll tell you what's the matter with your generator, your exciter's bad. <laughs> he said, what in the world is an exciter? Well, a generator's got an exciter on it. It's what causes the spark, makes the electricity. And you got a bad exciter. He said, boy, I got to thinking about that. And he said, there's a lot of churches I've went to over the years. The exciter had went out a long time ago. Amen. The Holy Spirit is what causes life in the church. Amen. We can have messages and I can have them outlined and I can have the illustrations. We can have the singing that's on key and just right. But without the Holy Spirit of God, there's no life. We'll live in defeat. We'll live in discouragement without the Holy Spirit showing up in our services. Because He is the Spirit of life. And I'll tell you what I want out of my preaching, Josh. I want my preaching to have the unction of the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, I've done this a long time. If I live, I'll have be pastoring 25 years come March. That's a good long while. That's nearly a career's worth. I've preached a lot of messages, thousands upon thousands of messages. I can, I can outline. I can. It's a strength. It's something God give me. You can set me down with, Ten verses and give me ten minutes, and I can put together an alliterated outline with points and subpoints. And I mean, I, I ain't bragging, but I can do that. That's one thing I can do. But it doesn't matter how good the outline is if it don't have the unction of God on it. It's got to have the unction of God because it—he is the the lie. And so if we're to have and operate from a place of victory, if we are to go past discouragement, we've got to, have the, we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. We've got, to have, we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. But now watch this. Not only is this Spirit of life, but according to verse 13, he's the Spirit of death. Look at it, verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Watch this, watch this resurrection idea of the Spirit. The Spirit will kill things off in your life and then make other things alive. There's some things the Spirit quickens and encourages. There's other things I do that the Spirit says that's got to go. That won't do. That's not right. And so He works to mortify those deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body. That's the Spirit's job. So when the Spirit of God leads us in our life, He makes alive the things that need to be alive And he kills out the things that need to be dead. That's what we need, ain't it? I need the Holy Spirit to mortify the deeds of my body. Because I'm likely to do about anything. Several years ago, Rachel and I went off for our anniversary. I believe it's maybe our 10 year. And we're getting ready to celebrate 25. So that may have been 15 years ago. I don't know. And we went to Myrtle Beach. And we stayed in a big fine motel. And across from the motel was a place called the House of Blues. And they served food there. But they also had on the side live music. Thursday night. And I told Rachel, I said, Thursday night, I'll take you on a date. We'll go over at the House of Blues. We'll have us a rack of ribs, and we'll watch the live music. And so, uh, sure enough, come around time, and we went over there, had a rack of ribs, and what I found out was that if you wanted to sit in a chair, for the live music, you had to get a reservation ahead of time. But they had a standby line where you could stand on the floor and watch the music. And I said, that'll be fine. So we stood at a door and they opened it. And we walked in there. And of course, we 30 minutes early. And stood around. And as the time went by, that floor filled up and filled up and filled up and filled up. And the first thing you know, we were standing right shoulder to shoulder. Well, they come out there, and they started the live music. And they's dancing. And I was standing there, and there's a little old gal standing in front of me, and she turned around and went to try to dance with me. Rachel looked at me and looked at that little old gal. After about three or four songs, I looked at Rachel, and I said, I don't feel right about this Do you. She said, not at all. There was an emergency exit. I said, I'm going out that door. (laughs) You know why? Because on the inside, there was a spirit of God going, this ain't the right place for you, son. Wrong place. You're in the wrong place, old pal. Better get out of here. Better get out of here. So we snuck out the side door. We was walking through the parking lot. Rachel said, does this mean we're old? I said, I reckon this means we're saved, I don't know. <laughs> the Spirit at some point, if the Spirit abides within you, there ought to be at some point where He's gouged you and went, boy, that's the wrong thing, wrong, you're doing the wrong thing right there. Something about that's wrong, we need to kill that out. That's the only way you can live from a, a, a place of victory is... Live according to the Spirit of God. So, He's the Spirit of life, and then He's the Spirit of death. Let me give you one more. He's the Spirit of adoption. Look at verse 14. He said, For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the Spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you've received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I want to show you something right here it be worth, worth your trip up here tonight. When we get saved, we're born into the family of God. Thank God I, I got born in. I'm a son of God by birth. But then we see here that we also get adopted in. Now the word adoption in the New Testament means to place in the family as an adult son. Now that's significant. Here's why. A baby can't walk. A baby can't make their own decisions. A baby is not allowed to draw on the family's wealth. But an adult son. An adult son can walk. An adult son can make decisions. And an adult son can get the checkbook and draw on the family's wealth. Can I say to you that the instant that I got saved by the grace of God, I got birthed into the family of God, I became a babe in Christ. But at the very same time, I got adopted in as an adult son so that as I am led by the Spirit of God, I can walk with God, I can decide to follow the leadership of the Spirit, And then I, as an adult son, can draw on the vast wealth of my heavenly father. Hallelujah. (laughs) I can draw on his wealth. I'd say that's victorious. I'd say that's victorious. We're no longer under the bondage of the law afraid to act, but we're free to follow the leadership of the Spirit as an adult son. Free to follow the leadership of the Spirit. I thought about this. A little baby can't crawl over and get a checkbook right out the check, but an adult son is able to draw on the family's wealth. Well, how much do you reckon God's got in his checking account? Probably pretty sizable. He owns the cattle of a thousand hillsides. I figured that up one time. That's trillions of dollars just in cattle. Amen. Solomon. Wealthiest man that ever lived. Uh, Elon Musk. If you increased Elon Musk's current wealth five times, he would still only be half as wealthy as Solomon was. And then Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. I'm just trying to impress upon you that we're not peasants. We're children of the king. There's no reason why... We should ever walk around with a defeatist attitude. No, tie, no reason why we should ever be down and out. I know we get down and out, but there's no reason for it. Some of you like Eeyore, you're down and out all the time. No reason for it. Because we're, we're part of the king's family. <laughs> Can I ask you this? Has he ever failed to take care of you? Gas shot up to $5 a gallon and I just kept stopping and putting it in the tank. The Lord seemed to me. I didn't like it, but he seemed to me. Somebody said, well, a food shortage and all this. And I know times is tough, but I'm gonna tell you something. The Lord's never let me down. I'm not going to pour mouth on him now. He's been good to me. He's been good to me. So here Paul says, we have freedom from defeat. No obligation. We owe our flesh nothing. But we owe the Spirit of God everything. i ask you something tonight. I'm going to close right here. Has the Lord been faithful in your life? Has he not always come through? Amen. Every single time the Lord had come through. I'm thinking about right now times financially, physically, spiritually. There's been times if God hadn't done something, I'd quit. But right before I quit, right on time, and He came. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory Amen. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these messages are going to be a little different. I'm not exactly what I normally preach. We're just going down through here, heavy on the scriptures, looking at we're free. Amen. Amen. There's all these things the devil tries to bind us with. He tries to weight us down with our sins. Remind us of our past. But then the Lord said, There's no condemnation. Then He tries to load us with defeat. Says, You'll never make it. You're 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 down and out defeated. But the Lord says, There is no defeat. You fight from a position of victory. Let's stand together, Father. Thank you, Lord, tonight for the truths of the scriptures. And I'm glad, Lord, there's no need in us aching or complaining tonight. Lord, you've been real and you've been true in our lives. And you have given us victory over defeat. I pray that you'd settle it in the hearts of your people tonight that that's exactly what you've done. Bless us now as only you can and we'll thank you for it. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Start not.